You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Lord Jesus, we know that you yourself are here with us this morning. Not just stories about you, not just that we believe in you, but you, the risen Lord Jesus, you are here with us and you want to speak to us this morning through the work of your Holy Spirit. So we come to you now and we say, Lord, if you've got something to say to me personally, I'm listening. I'm ready to respond to you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when we think about evangelism, in reality, in all effective evangelism, there is both sowing and reaping, right? You think of the farmer's analogy, they sow the seed, they reap the harvest. Well, it's the same in evangelism. There are these two aspects of evangelism. There's sowing and there's reaping. And what that means is that there is a point in someone's life who does not know Jesus Christ personally, who's not even concerned about knowing Jesus personally. They're not interested in Christ. And at some point in their life, God begins to reach out to that person. And he plants a seed in their heart, usually through a Christian that they know. And as they spend time with that Christian, and they begin to see the reality of God in that person's life and in their relationships, and as they begin to hear more of what God has done for them, through Christ at the cross. As they get exposed more to Christian community and what relationships look like, the truth of the gospel begins to be very real to them. Until finally one day, maybe that Christian, maybe some other person totally unrelated to that Christian, recognizes that this person is ready to put their trust in Jesus Christ. They clearly share the gospel with them and the person trusts Christ. Maybe they're in here on a Sunday or at some event and on the little card, they're ticking that second last box. Uh, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. And that seed that was sown that has been growing in them over time is harvested. Sowing and Reaping. And Jesus really reflects these two sides of evangelism. Uh, When he talks to the disciples at the end of his uh, conversation with the woman at the well, that amazing conversation he had with her, where that woman came to the place of being ready to put her trust in Christ, to turn her life around. She goes back to her town. She shares with everyone there. Many of them believe in Christ because of her testimony. And then they all come out and encounter Jesus themselves. And a whole lot more of them say, it's not just what you told us anymore, but we've met Jesus ourselves. And there's this incredible turning to Christ there in that town. And after that, Jesus has a little word with the disciples because he's training them. He's teaching them how to think about evangelism. And as he talks to them, he says to them in John chapter 4, he tells them, look, already 
He who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. So that he who sows and he who reaps may receive, may rejoice together. For in this case, that is this experience we've just had here with this woman and her whole town. In this case, Jesus says to the disciples, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He's referring to the earlier ministry John the Baptist had had in that area. Coming in with his powerful message, anointed by God, speaking right into people's hearts, shaking them up about what is real in their walk with God. So those people were ready to encounter Jesus. Sowing and reaping. You get the principle? Now, here's the thing. We all want to be effective reapers. Right? I mean, we want to be the person who texts Sam Haddon and says, let me tell you, I just shared Christ with someone and they trusted Christ last night. We all have people in our lives that we know and we care about and we long to see them come to know the Lord Jesus. We love what God has done in our own lives and we want to share that with other people and we want to be the person who's praying with people to trust in Jesus. There's people in our families, people in our neighborhood, people in our soccer teams, people we encounter at uni or at work and we want to see them trust Christ. We all want to be effective reapers, right? But we have a big problem, don't we? We don't know how to sow. We don't know how to sow. We don't know uh, uh, how to plant the seed of the gospel in someone's heart and life who is totally secular, totally uninterested, right? (laughs) I mean, for sure, we can memorize a gospel presentation to Share with someone who's ready to trust Christ. We're ready for the reaping, right? We know the gospel, but we don't know how to invest in someone way over here, far from Jesus, and how to begin to journey with them, how to water that seed after we planted it and help it grow and develop until the point when they are ready to trust in Jesus just like we did so long ago. This is our biggest need. Well, this morning, I want to share with you what I believe is the most significant key to learning to be an effective sower. Are you keen for that? Here it is. Up on the screen. Every one of us needs to develop a ministry mindset about everything in our lives. 
Let me say it again. Every one of us needs to develop a ministry mindset about everything in our lives. Now, in just a minute, I want to take you to the most beautiful passage that shows the ministry mindset at work in Jesus' own life and his encounters with people. But just before we do that, I want to take just a minute and make sure you know what I mean when I talk about a ministry mindset. A ministry mindset is based on two convictions. Two foundational commitments, convictions that we hold as believers. Two of the Things that really make up the Christian worldview. On the one hand, there is the conviction that God is purposeful in everything he does. God is purposeful in everything he does. I hold that conviction so that no matter what happens in my life, I can say, God, I can't see what you're doing, but I trust you. God is purposeful in everything he does. The second conviction, God is in control of the circumstances of my life. God is purposeful in everything he does, and God is in control of the circumstances of my life. Listen, when I take those two foundational convictions and I put them together, then no matter what circumstance I am in, no matter what conversation I am a part of, no matter who I encounter, no matter where I am, I can ask the question, God, what is your purpose through me in this circumstance? What is it that you want to do through me in the lives of the people I'm encountering right now? And so a ministry mindset looks at absolutely any situation I may find myself in and asks this question. How do you want to minister through me in this circumstance? See, it's a whole way of looking at life, right? That says that every circumstance in my life Pleasant or unpleasant. Every encounter with every person in my life. Every challenge in my life. Every conversation I have. Every job that I get. The place I sit in my class at uni and the people around me. The person pedaling on the exercise bike next to me at the gym. Every encounter of any kind with any person in any circumstance in my life. Listen, I have been sent into that encounter by Jesus Christ. To be a witness for him. Any circumstance. I can ask that question. What is your purpose through me. In this circumstance. Now let me ask you this question. 
how did God make you? I mean, according to Genesis chapter 1, how did God make you? He made you in his image, right? In his image. Now, maybe you think, oh, I don't really see so much of the image of God in me. I'm struggling with so many things. Well, that's right. That's because of fallenness. But that's why the Apostle Paul tells us that God is working to conform us to the image of his son. His work in your life is to restore that image in you. Well, what does that say to you that God is making you and has made you in his image? What it says to me is God wants to reveal himself through you in the lives of the people around you. If we can go to the next. God wants to reveal himself through you. When Jesus Christ came into this world and the apostle John introduced him, how did he introduce him? He said, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. All things came into being by him. Right? You come down to verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Well, why is Jesus called the word? What do we do with words? We communicate. Jesus was God the Father's communication to the world. Here's what I'm like. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And who is now living in you? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do you think his purpose has changed? No. He wants to reveal his image through you, and he wants to speak his words through you. Every encounter with every person in your life should be approached with the thought in the back of your mind, how does God want to minister to this person through me? So that when we finish the church service this morning and maybe you greet me in the back or something, in the back of your mind should be, as you're chatting with me, Lord, how do you want to minister to John through me? And at the same time, in the back of my mind should be the prayer, Lord, this little conversation is from you. How do you want to minister to this person through me? And when you leave here and you drive back towards your home and you realize you need petrol and you pull in at the servo and you get your petrol and you go in to pay and you've got just a few seconds with this person, no, you're not going to quote your gospel presentation to them, but you've got a few seconds and you have in the back of your mind when you've developed a ministry mindset, you have in the back of your mind, this brief encounter is from you, Lord. How do you want to work in this person's life through me? You see how it would change your whole life to think this way, to approach life this way? It really would shatter our natural self-absorbed way of approaching life that interprets every encounter with people in our lives based on 
how it impacted me. I really don't like that person. Well, why? Because it's how it's impacting me. I like this person. Why? Because of how it impacts me. And what if when you came away from an encounter with a difficult person, you had a ministry mindset? See, if you have that natural mindset and someone is rude to you, what's your natural reaction going to be? Well, you're going to be rude right back, aren't you? Or if you're a little more self-controlled and holy, possibly you'll just ignore them. But do you see that a ministry mindset approaches someone who's been aggro with you, not in terms of how are they talking to me, but God, what's going on in this person's life that's making them act this way? Is their life falling apart? Are they stressed to the max? Is there bitterness in them because of something that happened to them when they were young? I don't know. But God, how do you want to reach out to them through me? Man, that's radical, isn't it? See, at every moment of your life, you have a choice. You can be self-centered. We're quite a bit down the, down the forwards now. Every moment in your life, you have a choice. Listen, you can either be self-centered or you can have a ministry mindset. But you cannot have both. You can either have a natural approach to life or a supernatural approach to life. You can either have a fleshly approach or a spiritual approach. You can either have a secular approach, just like the world around you, or you can have a godly approach to life. I remember I was in America a number of years ago and about to speak at a conference, and I suddenly got a phone call from Australia saying that my dad uh, had been discovered with cancer that had been growing in his organs, and he was about to die. This sudden thing. Well, I freaked out, of course. I got on the next flight I could back to Australia. They didn't even know if he'd be alive. You know, it's a long flight from the U.S., almost 24 hours. And when I got back to Sydney, my dad was in hospital. And the doctors had been able to do a little something that gave him about another month with us. And it was a beautiful month. And he wasn't in a lot of pain during that month, so he was clear-headed. And we'd go in and spend... Hours with him every day. Beautiful time. But one day when we weren't in there, the principal of one of the Christian schools here in Sydney, who had been deeply impacted by my dad, uh, was in visiting with my dad. And while he was in there, he noticed there seemed to be an unusually large number of nurses coming in and out of the room. And he, when he picked up on that, he pulled one of them aside and said, what's going on? Why are there so many nurses 
in here. And the nurse said to him, well, the other nurses keep telling us about this amazing man, and we had to come and spend some time with him. <laughs> We'd be in there. Right? My dad's there. He's dying. And there's all these people. My dad uh, was uh, uh, an amazingly powerful preacher. And all these people who've been impacted by my dad's ministry are coming in to encourage him and, and pray for him. And as soon as they come in the door, he'd say, hello, brother so-and-so. And, and he'd say, what's going on with this and this and this in your life? And, and as they start sharing, he says, well, let me pray for you about that. And he's praying for everyone who's coming in to see him. And his verse that he kept on talking about that was on his heart was, for to me to live is Christ. <laughs> to live is Christ. And he's ministering to everyone around him. You see how radical this life is when you live with a ministry mindset. All right. Let's look quickly then in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to the, to the end of the chapter. Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beg the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let me just throw out my points to you. When you have a ministry mindset, you will first of all minister to people at every level of their being. Jesus spoke to the people at the intellectual level. He was teaching in their synagogues. He also ministered to them on the spiritual level. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he ministered to them on the physical level, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I wish I could go into every one of these, uh, but uh, I don't have time and I want to get on to this. Point number two, because sometimes when you hear about this kind of way of life, this ministry mindset, it's exhausting to even think about living that way, right? I mean, trying to maintain this all the time, this ministry mindset, it seems exhausting. And so you need to see, secondly, that a ministry mindset is motivated by love. Motivated by love. You see what it says there? Seeing the multitudes, Jesus splanknizomide for them. That's the Greek word <laughs> that's used there. Splanknizomide. And it's a really neat word in the Greek language that this part of the Bible was written in. The root of this word has to do with your bowels and your intestines. And it's basically the picture that his stomach was tied in knots as he saw these people. I wonder if you ever feel like that about people in your life. Sometimes we do feel that kind of concern for people who are close to us, don't we? People in our family, people who are dear friends that we just wish would come to know the Lord and they don't seem to be interested in spiritual things. But this word, splanknizomai, goes much further even than that. What makes this word different from other Greek words that ha have to do with compassion and the reason Matthew chose this word in describing what was going on with Jesus 
is that this word splanknizomai always involves action that is taken because of what's going on inside of me. The best translation is that Jesus was moved with compassion. He had to do something when he saw what was going on in the hearts and lives of these people. It's the same word Jesus used when he talked about the good Samaritan, right? The priest walked on the other side of the road of this man who was bleeding and hurt. The Levite, these two religious people, walked on the other side of the road. Probably both of them felt pity for the guy. They felt Compassion for him, but the Samaritan splanknizomide. <laughs> when he saw that guy, he had to do something. And this is the word that Matthew uses here about Jesus. Well, maybe you would say to me, well, John, you know, that's all well and good, but really you're not encouraging me, you're just discouraging me. Because I know I should feel that. I know as a Christian, I should feel this deep burden for people around me who don't know Jesus. I know that should drive me. It sits there in the back of my mind as one of the things that I know is a mark of a Christian, that they share Christ with people around them. But I can't seem to just generate that kind of have-to-do-something motivation. How do I develop that inner motivation? Here you go, point number three. By seeing the multitudes. By seeing. That's the key to the whole issue. If you were to do a Greek word study on this word splanknizomai in the Gospels, you'd see it's so often there next to Jesus saw and he splanknizomai. He had to do something. Well, the disciples were there in almost every one of those circumstances. And so often in the story, they're contrasted to Jesus. Jesus, everyone is hungry. I think you should send them home. I know you do something about it. Why? They both saw the same crowd of people. What does it mean, seeing the multitudes? Well, Jesus saw in a different way than they did, didn't he? Seeing the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus saw down past the surface level to what was going on inside the people's lives. Someone shared in the discussion time what would make us eager to share the gospel. And they said, well, seeing what's going on in someone's life. That's exactly right. This is what Jesus did. He saw. He saw much more Deeply than we tend to normally see. We just look at what's happening on the surface. And he saw what was going on inside. And that was what moved him. How desperately we need to learn to see the way Jesus saw them. Listen, the way Jesus still sees people. And even further, the way Jesus wants to see them through you. We need to learn that. You don't just learn it by saying, yes, that's what I want. You develop it. You go on a journey to develop a ministry mindset, to see past the surface, to ask questions of people that let you get down below the surface into the lives. Because when you see pain going on inside someone's life, that's when something inside of you says, this person needs Christ and I've got to share him with them.
right? It doesn't just happen because you say, I know I should care about evangelism. The evangelism isn't what happens. It pe- matters. It's people that matter. And it's getting down into their lives that's going to give you that motivation that Jesus Christ had. Well, as if that could ever be me, maybe you think. (laughs) But it can be you. If you can learn to see people on that deeper level. If you get nothing else out of this message today, I hope you'll get this. The key to being an effective reaper, leading people to faith in Jesus Christ, is learning to be an effective sower. And the key to being an effective sower is to develop a ministry mindset about every encounter with every person in your life. And the key to developing a ministry mindset about your encounters with people is to learn to see past the surface to what's going on in people's hearts and lives. When that starts to happen, you find splank nidzumai growing within you and you start getting involved. You start getting involved deeper than the surface with people around you and what's going on deep in their hearts and lives. Let's pray. As we pray, just consider what God is saying to you this morning. We prayed at the beginning of the message, Lord Jesus, if you have something to say to me personally, I'm listening. I want to respond to you. Well, I have zero doubt that he is speaking to you personally. What is he bringing home to your heart? And how do you need to respond to him? I want to give you just a moment of quiet before I pray. And would you just in your own heart respond to what God is saying to you?